the keynote for the for the retreat and uh, something to bear in mind in your daily practice. The, the practice centers around the gathering together, collecting together, lifting up, sustaining what's wholly good and the relinquishing, letting go, the putting aside things that are not good. So when we, we look at this, the kusala is good, akusala is the unskillful, which can be actually directly hurtful, malevolent, cruel, selfish, but also can be things just like um, worry, tension, doubt, restlessness, self-disparagement, these kind of things which don't lift up, don't give rise to a sense of well-being. They, they crush us and they hurt us. So the relinquishment of that, impatience and the competitive and the feeling one needs to be needing to be something or the other. These kind of um, tremendous, tremendously powerful assumptions that one gets conditioned into. It's because of the power of these that the meditation becomes so, so difficult for people because it's rather like we have a whole handful of stuff going on already that we don't really acknowledge, it's assumed. So when your hand is already full of all these kind of you know, underlying agendas about achievement and becoming and being as good as and getting it right and <coughs> dealing with this and making sure we get there and all that, then you can't really handle something, a meditation topic <coughs> like a breath, with any degree of dexterity because your hand's already full. You know, it's, it's something like metta bhavana, loving kindness, becomes becomes something that seems extraordinarily difficult to do because the the heart is already is cramped and the qualities of something like metabhavana are exactly that is the uncramped mind, the mind that is extensive, the mind that can expand. You know? So this but these things are really easy when the mind is is relaxed. When it's at ease, these things are quite easy. The mind will do it quite naturally. <coughs> and perhaps when we were children, you know, such things were maybe Anapanasati wasn't so good, but uh, <laughs> one could kind of flow a, a, a lot more easily. There was more spontaneity and joy. But you gradually you get into this kind of uh, achievement and, and self-judgment, measuring oneself unconsciously or consciously. And then the kind of backlog of uncertainty and nervousness that comes over a lifetime of doing that. having the opportunity to acknowledge those and then relinquish them 
this is this is not easy actually because it can be very much the case that we would, would like to do that and wish to do that but haven't got the wherewithal to do it liberation of the heart is, ex- is exactly this it comes through letting go through the development of letting go we can see letting go in, in, in certain with certain key terms associated with it relinquishment, letting go and, and they are, if you like, graduated the first is called viveka which means the ability to, to step back to see things in perspective it's, called, it's, it's, it's something like withdrawal but it's not withdrawal from aversion it's just like you step back in order to see something more clearly so it's that finding a focus so this is the first degree of, of letting go you know, rather than being completely mesmerized and embroiled we can step back uh, contemplate this is body yeah. but body is the first thing in, in this viveka yeah. and then beginning to step back from oh this is the way my mind works this is the way my emotional patterns are that kind of stepping back this is where I get my energies are this is where I get lost where I feel happy getting a map being able to map out mm. so and Viveka is essentially it's based upon the ability to stand free or pull oneself free from, um, from harmful or non-productive um, energies, thoughts, attitudes so it's always the, the withdrawal from the unskillful and then, so we're not looking at a particularly refined level of samadhi or concentration or absorption, just that viveka is almost like the momentary and the sustaining that sense of stepping to a place of perspective, the refuge, if you like. The first degree of letting go. Second is called viraga, which means dispassion. What this is about is more that having kind of stepped back, we can see some things that we feel rather um, appalled by. Because we feel, well, we better sort, you know, sort this out. This is rather difficult. Some things we feel quite mesmerized by. Some things we think, well, so what? It's just stuff. And so around that, the, the, what we witness or what we get in touch with, there can be a range of um, emotional statements this is important this is dreadful this is wonderful this is nothing special yeah. and every time one of those emotional statements these aren't necessarily verbal patterns they're more like emotional reactions every time one of those gets printed onto the process then we, em- we create a particular profile uh, so every time that we experience something and there's the labeling of, oh no, this is dreadful, then that's exactly what it is. You, you, you label that and you <coughs> intensify it. So in the process of a retreat, as most of you uh, seasoned mariners will, have, uh, will know, then it can be an extremely obsessive experience. In me battling with my mind and uh, you know, getting witnessing the somewhat bemused 
away certain obsessive patterns of, of appetite or aversion or you know, complaining in the mind, seeing it but really not being able to do anything about it. Uh, and perhaps the experience for, uh, for people who are, uh, who are familiar with this can be with the right kind of, ju- with the right kind of attitude is that, you know, okay, we see, we begin to, these things start to loom out of the background on the first couple of days. By day three or day four, they're really, you know, crystal clear, high and riding free, these kind of patterns of mind. And then there's the struggle of how to deal with it, what to do about it. By about day six or by day seven, we thought, well, that's the way it is, I guess. And there's a relaxation, that tension, and they start to, fade out. They start to lose some of the emotional intensity that we project onto them, begins to wane. We don't, you can only keep getting emotionally intense about things for so long. (laughs) So we do have a good uh, capability of doing that. But in the period of a retreat, one of the ideas of sustaining it is eventually you just get tired of making such a, a fuss out of it all. And so that something happens in one's emotional body, that means instead of going into that and, and making more of it, we step back. This is virag, it's dis, dispassion, it's called. It's more of a dispassionate awareness. The first, if you like, viveka, withdrawal of detachment. The second is a more, is a more um, deeper experience of dispassion. And in that dispassion, which then, because it's dispassionate, is, uh, helps to um, carry and sustain mindfulness. Because whenever there's an emo- a strong emotional uh, judgment, then that, that momentarily at least pushes the process of mindfulness away. We flurry, we fluster, we wince. And so that the mindfulness which has been tracking and monitoring our process is thrown off course. You have to kind of scramble to get it back again. So when there's dispassion, the mindfulness stays with what we're with. So you get, because of that sustaining of mindfulness, there is a more, there is the beginning of a recognition of a continuity of awareness, of receptivity that is not the conditions, the thoughts of the mind, and yet is not separate from the mind, it's, it's, it's kind of not repelled. So you can, if you like, it's the conditions of mind and body and feeling are more transparent. You begin to see through them, through your particular mindset, because you're no longer painting it, so it emotionally it begins to thin out and it becomes like glass, which one had painted and now one begins to kind of stop painting and you can see through it. And you see, oh yeah, there is, there's a kind of an awareness or a presence with that, where before there was just a reaction. And that's very important. As that deepens, then there's an inclination for our center of attention to go more towards the awareness and less to get involved and less to make much out of... Um, thoughts, feelings, and so on, moods, and so on. So uh, the process of letting go then leads to what's called 
niroda or arrest or stopping. Um, and this occurs through uh, a maturation of dispassion whereby the very uh, input that stimulates the psychological and emotional habits dries up. It's checked. So then there's these times when it's just awareness. There isn't not all kinds of stuff going on. It's silence. This is what uh, niroda, stopping, arrest. And um, you have to look at these things um, with perspective. This may be something that you have experience of stopping for, you know, maybe one time in a day, just a few minutes. Or it may be something where there's more dispassion. It's not exactly like you, you it's black and white. It's not like you suddenly go into a total neuroder experience for a week. It's, there's, a, there's an inclination, there's a tendency to make less and less and a gradual drying up and stopping of the cycle of, uh, of um, psychological, emotional patterns and habits. It's not throttling anything either. It's just uh, that the mind, when it stops doing that, is actually quite expanded, bright, aware. It's not a, it's not a shut down kind of feeling. It's a, it's a, it's a, it has a taste of freedom to it. So that, if you like, is the stopping of the <coughs> creation of, um, of habits in the mind. And uh, um, if you like, the, the PhD in letting go uh, is uh, called Vodsaga, which means the complete uh, relinquishment. And this is, is uh, something that, that uh, becomes clearer as one has cultivated and recognized what's actually occurring in this process of abandonment because Vasaga deals with the relinquishment of the very basis of assumption of um, self-view. You know, I am something that will be something, that was something, that needs to be something, that isn't something, that could be something, and so on. That, that way of seeing things. Um, and this for, um, can be sound just like some ideas at first, but um, so, but it is a maturation, which comes is a wisdom experience. It's not really a an experience of uh, just of, of stillness or calm. It's an experience of really seeing through and understanding um, that whatever arises actually is not self. It's a condition. It's something that's caused by um, situations, by circumstances, by body, um, by, by this, this, um, this karma. So it's whatever arises is that, whatever ceases is that. Um, and the, in the cessation of that, it doesn't belong to anybody either. It's not a definition, it's just the way it is. And this, this is the, if you like, the complete course in letting go. But for... Um, Mostly, most of the time, it's just cultivating uh, viveka, or this um, getting things in perspective, and in viraga, cooling out, 
becoming more dispassionate about it. And that would say is the, the main um, thread of the practice. One of the uh, most um, powerful pathways for the mind to proliferate along is is the time, time scale, the past, the future, either quite deliberate, like how long is this going to go on for, what will I be at the end of it, and so on, quite you know quite deliberately structured in time, or just that that. Um, residual assumption which is like a, a pushing to get somewhere, to get on you know, and, like an impatience uh, uh, so that one isn't actually centred in the present one's here in order to be something the next, in the next moment one's here to get somewhere in the, by the afternoon that, that which may not be verbalised but that sense of that assumption that kind of leaning of the mind towards something so this is the, the time, um, the time um, extension. This is associated with one of the major outflows or hindrances of the mind called becoming, which is that which wishes to establish oneself, one's sense of being something in, in, a, in a temporal or a spatial context. Um, so it, in, the, in the most obvious um, way this manifests for us is when we're sitting and then we're remembering fantasizing, remembering how it was or, or hoping it will be some way so recognizing that and cultivating the quality of, of letting go of bringing yourself into the present bringing yourself into the present as I said at the beginning the path of letting go the path of abandonment is synonymous with the path of cultivation of what's good. So if you like, one is what we strip away and the other is what we hold up. And so you, you, it's, you can't really practice abandonment and letting go unless you've got something, a position, if you like, to let go from. So you can keep coming back to a particular point. So the, the, the fundamental uh, point for us is body, mindfulness of body, to keep coming back to the body bodily awareness in the present because the body doesn't move in time mind doesn't do anything but that <laughs> the body doesn't know these things so coming back to the body uh, paramount uh, meditation topic body is uncomplicated body has no particular agendas it's tangible you access the body through the touch consciousness, through the, the experience of, of physical sensation. And that consciousness, the consciousness associated with the physical sensation, is much um, less personally calibrated than the mind consciousness, which is incredibly you know, detailed in me. Uh, when you go to your mind, then for sure, it's your mind, you know, it's not. <laughs> you won't find two mindsets alike in this room. Uh, you know, they're, they're all extremely, you know, 
uh, personal. But in terms of tactile consciousness, then it's pretty much the same, really. I mean, you know, okay, you, you know, people have different kind of twinges and things going, but it's much less a person. It's much less the, the evolved personality. So uh, going to the tactile consciousness of body is, is a way of, of withdrawal, of finding a place which is less volatile, less emotionally charged, less um, precarious, less vulnerable in a way. It's calming. Body energies are relatively steady compared with mental and emotional ones. This is very simple. Something in us um, finds simplicity intellectually isn't very stimulating the body, well yeah, yeah, well what about you know, tantric empowerments and sunyata um, rather than just being aware of you know, feelings in my back or my legs or whatever but um, the idea in this is towards letting go rather than embellishment so you look for the plain the simple, the calming the things that actually have the least comment on them present moment, body, and then the least comment, taking the comments down rather than you know, building up an encyclopedic knowledge. This body is this. So this is actually taking away the, the fuel from the mind's proliferation. And there's certainly um, plenty to do in finding that balance in body. In finding a balance, there, there are, there are, again, you have this same pattern of there are, there are two ways of looking at it. It's about um, letting go. It's about picking up. It's letting go of the, the head, um, the ideas, the assumptions we have about body, either the, the proliferating mind, which isn't even with the body at all, just checking that and deliberately going to the body and using skillful means to go to the body. And then even when we're with the body, not retaining the mental impression of the body, such as, you know, I am this big, I am this wide, I am this tall, this is my knee, this is my arm, this is my leg, this is my head. Because body doesn't know this either. Body just knows sensation. And that pattern of sensation, then the mind interprets Oh, this is sitting. Oh, this is walking. That's your feet. This is cold. Mm, like that. But that is, that's a perceptual experience. That's an experience of what they call sanya kanda, which is a mental or immaterial experience. 
And so we, even when, when it has a, a focused on body, then beginning to take away and let go of the perceptual um, designations of body. So we're just with, there is awareness, there is sensation, and one is receiving it. There is the re- receiving of sensation, which comes and goes in surges and flows and pulses, and there are patterns there. There are repetitive patterns of sensation. And as you meditate on body, you begin to, to observe, recognize, feel out those patterns, till those patterns of sensation become very clearly registered for you, and you stick your mind, you hold your mind onto a pattern of sensation. Doesn't, you don't know what it is. You don't, you don't have to know what it is. But it, once it's steady, when you found a steady and a wholesome, a pattern that actually calms you, steadies you, gives you the right balance, you stay, you stay with that. That's body awareness. So we're not really talking about the idea of the body, nor are we talking about the anatomical description of the body, such as the feet, the head, the hands. We're talking about a mental impression or a, a received impression of body. And this becomes your, your meditation sign when you're meditating on body. Now, to, in order to, to, to cultivate this, then that, um, there, are very, there are obvious things we need to do. Sustain a good posture, sitting and walking. That's calm, steady, um, accessible. It's, it's very clearly the emphasis on being there with your body. So when you sit, you sit in a way where your body is fully there. And one of the, the uh, in sitting, the main thing to keep coming back to is um, establishing your, your sitting posture around your waist, pelvis, around the lower back. This is where the, the energy and the stability of, of sitting is based. What you do with your legs is up to you. You, you know, take them off, wrap them around your neck, whatever you do with them. <laughs> there must be some interesting variations on, on leg procedure. But <laughs> legs don't count when it comes to sitting. They, they speak a lot, but they don't really count. Um, the main thing you want to do when you're sitting is to establish a good uh, energy. And this comes from the lower, the lower areas of the body, the navel and the areas below the navel. So if, for example, if in the front of your body, the region from the, the navel down should be perpendicular, so it's upright. If you get that, and what it takes to do that, which is probably something like if you're, if you're sitting and then you're about to stand up, you kind of you incline forwards before you stand and just going to that and then relaxing a little bit. So you can feel yourself kind of slightly, the, back, the small of the back tucked in, just as if you're about to stand up but you're not standing up. And exercising that so that over time in, your, in, in practice these particular posture muscles have strength to hold. And when you, when it's worth working with because if you do that, then this establishes the way your chest and your shoulders will, will rest and you won't get any pain in your upper back and your chest will be open and expanded. You get a very clear experience of breathing. 
and the body is, is stable and centered. So this particular uh, sitting posture based around the lo lower areas of the body is quite a um, valuable thing to learn and to just make it something that you, you practice with. And all the head stuff, you know, the ideas and the, what we're going to be and what we're going to do, putting that aside, you can feel the complicated tangle of it all and it's going down to the base of the body and establishing yourself right there. Patiently, you find that place. This is the place where the breath uh, reclines. As you breathe out, the breathing process unwinds and goes down deep into your lower body. Try to follow that and let it go as deep and relax as deeply as possible. So it's almost like coming out of the base of your body. As you let go, and, and, it, and if you're feeling dull or drowsy, then that's the place to work. And um, when you breathe out, if you're feeling uh, fuzzy and drowsy, breathe out. And when you breathe out, extend your out-breath. So your out-breath becomes a little deliberate. You, know, it doesn't, you don't have to do it quickly. It's not like quickly breathing out, but steadily breathing out. And just as you get into the end of the out-breath, just push it a little bit. Push it out. And then hold the out-breath so there's no breath in the body. And you can feel the lower centers of the body tighten. And so you've got a quite a strong sensation there. And this may be for, you know, one, two seconds. Don't go purple in the face. Um, so <laughs> and then when you feel it tighten, so you, you can actually get a clear sign there of sensation, then let go, and the breath will come pouring in quite vigorously, and it will fill you up. And witness that, be with that experience of filling up, and as you fill up, almost like topping up a jar with water, top up to the top of your chest, and then take a little bit more so you really feel you're replenishing yourself, filling up your lungs completely with breath. And then you can hold the in-breath, fully extended, till again you feel a slight tightening, and then relax, and let the, out, let the outpouring begin. So that process... Um, for stimulating a kind of vigor and just extending your breath pattern through the whole of the trunk of the body. And so that way of extending breath um, is rather like doing a physical exercise. It's quite coarse in a way, but it does help to dispel drowsiness and it does help to establish a clear um, sensation sign to register. This sensation is the end of the out-breath and it's quite firmly felt. This is the pouring in or the pouring out. That's clearly recognized. This is the experience of the body being full of breath. That's clearly recognized. So we, then we've got a basis. Um, that's something we do, you do skillfully. It's not uh, like hyperventilation or pumping. Um, it's done uh, attending to the body and just just, if you like, just slightly underlining certain basic patterns that are there, the stopping points and the flowing. So you get two, two qualities of sign, the stopping, which is a kind of like a firm sign, and the flowing. And these, if you like, are the elements of earth, solidity, 
and water. And being able to, to just recognize and be very simple and recognize those particular characteristics. And, and the rest of it, letting go, relaxing it, taking it away. So this means then with that, because you, if you fill yourself with that kind of uh, impression, then it by itself, it, it blows out the past. It kind of puffs, it's like blowing out cobwebs. There isn't the, the room to be doing that and the ideas of the future. Body has its own rhythms and energies. If you, if you, so if you practice sitting like this, then um, it, it does. It's the, that body rhythm is established in the mind, and it regulates the mental patterns, which can be pretty uh, frantic or sluggish. So it acts as a governor and a regulator of the, the mind's uh, rhythms. You calm down. You center. When you're doing walking meditation, um, some points to bear in mind: uh, making you bring yourself into the present moment with standing. So standing and use use the standing posture to accompany the sit the walking, as well as the sitting. So when you you sit and you stand up, being aware you're standing, and then when you get to the where you're walking places. Then spending a little time, you know, half a minute, a couple of minutes, whatever, just standing, standing and centering yourself like a tree, standing so that you can very clearly feel um, the soles of your feet spread over the floor, and that's that's uh, so that you're very much rooted at that particular point, standing and then breathing in and breathing out till you feel yourself really present in that particular position. So you're not occupied with something that you're going to do or have done. You're right here. When walking, when you do your walking at a pace which you can feel yourself flowing with, um, just like the um, basis for the jitta or the awareness of the mind is it, it's an effective experience. It means it's receptive rather than um, manipulative. Or, so developing the receptivity is like opening yourself up, your awareness up, and there's just receiving what sensations come in. It's receiving your body, body sensations, sitting, standing, walking. When you're walking, receiving bodily sensation. Just get that going, first of all, before we start to get too kind of fine-tuned into particular points in your feet. So you haven't actually unloaded your luggage yet. You haven't kind of, you know, got the mind into a balanced space yet. So first of all, establish this quality of just simple receptivity walking. And then notice, now how do you know you're walking? It's almost like this background question. How do you know you're sitting? You've got your eyes closed. What tells you you're sitting? It's sensations, isn't it? And what are those sensations? How do you know you're not lying down? 
But how do you know you're walking? You don't need an answer. It's just getting that kind of questioning. Questioning is an opening of mind. So rather than, now concentrate, now focus on your feet, now you get there, which is a command, which your mind sort of tends to seize up on, you know, and go, go stiff on and get agitated about just the question, are you walking? Yeah, I'm walking. How do you know you're walking? Um, and then you, you go to those, you begin to recognize the pattern and the repetitive pattern of sensations that tell you you're walking. Go to that consciousness. Um, when you're walking up and down, obviously you have to have your eyes open, but you must be um, aware of the, the eye consciousness is almost uh, as much a hijacker of, the, of awareness as the mind is. It's the sort of second in command. The mind will generally elbow in and come out with a lot of comments and statements and da-da-da-da. Um, if you manage to get that one to back off, then the, the eyes will, will take over. And uh, you get into... stare. One is the kind of, um, kind of um, interrogating stare where your eyes get fixed so you, 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 know, you get very glazed and your eyes rivet. And the experience of this is rather like you're on a walking path and as soon, as soon as you stand at one end of the path, your eyes are pointing to the other point and you're drawn towards that point. You get there and you turn around and you're drawn towards the other point. So it's a bit like being a puppet, moving backwards and forwards. And walking meditation then gets very grim. Um, it's like... Um, just pacing up and down. Because you're never really with the simplicity of the present moment, you're always on a path going somewhere else. So this intensity of gaze, if you soften that, so all you have to walk towards is the space that's one inch in front of you. So just move to that. Move to that. And as you move, the space moves with you. So you, you're always actually in this lovely little bubble of space that doesn't want anything out of you. There's no characteristic apart from allowing. It's always there. So you can just keep moving into this uh, welcoming space which surrounds you. And just move into that. And then, you know, at a certain point in time you get to the end of your path, you re register that, stand, turn around, come back. But to try to, to erase the unskillful impressions that a walking path can do. And some people get so upset by walking meditation, they, they can't do it. Can't walk up and down, have to go for, a, go for a walk, where you feel a little more relaxed. You know, walking through the countryside, you suddenly you feel quite okay. And then you walk backwards and forwards on a path, and after ten, you know, backwards and forwards, you feel quite tight and tense. It's the eyes that have done that. The sense of kind of being trapped has done that. So soften the gaze. The other thing to do, of course, is to make sure the eyes aren't scurrying <coughs> every which way. You know, looking at what, what a terrible job she's making of her walking meditation. <laughs> <laughs> and how this guy's never going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what on earth is he doing? And she, you know, and that and the birds and, and, and the clock. And, and, you know. 
So the eyes get very hungry. Like that. So just like softening your gaze, so you can almost feel the organ of the eye rather than the visual consciousness. Experience your eye just more like a, a tactile experience of this, this physical organ resting and bring up that idea, resting the eyes. So your eyes get soft, your gaze gets soft. When it does that, your mind relaxes. When you're tense, your eyes stare. When you're restless, your eyes scurry. The eye and the mind are, are, are very closely connected. So if, if your eyes are relaxed, it will certainly help to relax and balance your mind. With all these practices, the, the abandonment of what hinders, bringing up the aspiration to be here, to be present, to contact, just to contact and receive oneself in an easy, friendly way. Just that. And then putting aside unhelpful, obstructive, obsessive, uh, psychological, emotional patterns. And then resting in that being able to just enjoy the simplicity of walking, of sitting, enjoy the simplicity of bodily life, the contentment, a rare word, to be contented with nothing special, but one is present, and that's all we can ever be. <coughs> 